welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And this, this is, is Life Pairings. Pairings. Because life is hard. So pair it with alcohol. Swish, swish, swish. Feel that winter breeze on your face, the snow cut beneath you, and go as fast as you can to the lodge so you can finally be warm and have a drink. As today's life pairing is skiing with B-52s. This week we're discussing serendipity, snow, and coffee liqueurs. <laughs> Ooh. That's what happens when I make it up on the spot. You guys, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to practice my improvisational um, speech because I just, um, I don't do well on the spot. So you're mm-hmm. like my practice room now. <laughs> and that I can always edit later. So yeah, you know. I can like yeah. if Carla's voice all of a sudden is in there, you'll know it was. <laughs> <laughs> you'll know it was her. So, what does skiing mean to you? Oh my god! You know what? I love to ski. Um, I didn't know that. Well, I like skiing. I like snowboarding. Um, but I don't typically get out often to do it. As a kid, we used to go on like one trip out of the year at school uh grew up in calgary so yeah we'd get to go on like a ski or snowboarding trip and we'd get to uh like it was like a a whole week long and you packed up yeah you'd like pat you got lessons and it was like some reduced rate and you'd go to a ski place like winter green which used to be like Mm -hmm. just like for it was kind of like a beginner ski hill but it was also like yeah. pretty beautiful out in Kananaskas. Yeah. And really only like half hour 45 minute drive. Mhm. So like you would go in jun- junior high you got to go and you would like they'd load you up and take you out there and you'd get to go skiing for like an entire week. That's like they take you back into Calgary and everything like that. So I grew up uh skiing and then later tried snowboarding but and then yeah, my brother lives in Fernie, so any chance I get to go out there and do it with him, I enjoy it a lot. I'm not overly great because I do it like once every year, every two right. years, and then I'm sort of out of practice and and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think it's kind of integral to living in Calgary and by the mm-hmm. mountains, and it's one of the things we grew up with. It's kind of like you know, in Hawaii they surf, and here we 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 do the mountain, baby. Yeah. And do you ski like now or do you snowboard? No, snowboard. Yeah. You're a snowboarder. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I don't own skis and I have a snowboard and, right. and yep, all snowboard gear and everything like that. So it's also just like, um, yes, it's, it's skiing kind of went out of fashion or something with our generation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think because snowboarding started while we were all skiing. So it was the newfangled. Yeah, like I remember in like grade, so grade seven, you could like, you went skiing, right? And then grade eight, you went, they, like a couple of kids were snowboarding, but it was like, all the teachers would talk about how dangerous it was. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, they, they, so they like, you could only go if you had one, you weren't allowed to rent one. And there wasn't any snowboard lessons, like you had to learn how to ski first. And so it was like, 
It was basically like when my parents tricked me and told me I had to play ringette before I could play hockey just because they like, right. wanted me to do a girl thing. That's like what they yeah. were doing then. They were like, that's actually not. Snowboarding's like this radical movement of some kind in the 90s that they thought was yeah. happening. And which it's is, become, yeah, I don't know. Well, you're saying that it was considered more dangerous, which I think skiing is actually probably more dangerous. Like the people that I know that have had bad 100. injuries are all from skiing. Like, yeah, you're in pain all the time from snowboarding because you land on your wrists or your knees or your bum. But like you don't have like feet being separated and like curling yeah. around each other and I've gotten still way worse accidents and fallen way worse on skis than I ever have oh, yeah. on a snowboard. On a yeah. snowboard, like, you know, I mean, bad things can happen because you can hit stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Trees, it's a, rocks. It's a dangerous sport, but yeah. skis, you can, your tips cross, you get all tangled mm-hmm. up, you twist your ankles. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being stuck, like, in the trees and skis. And just being like not knowing what to do because like yeah. a skate, a, a snowboard, you just unbuckle, you know. Yeah, and right. like back then too, that's when you had the long skis. So being yeah. like now they're really short, but yeah, like I remember being stuck in trees with a friend of mine who is an Olympic ski jumper, and so he had super short skis, and he could like go around the trees and do all this stuff. And I was like, ah, uh, <laughs> my skis are two times the size of me. I cannot go around anything that like requires a quick turn don't know why they were so long <laughs> i know they were and saying um, that i could do mo- moguls back then so i don't really know i think it was just the, the visual tree <laughs> versus a mogul because if you run into a mogul you're fine you run into a tree it's not so good yeah it's the worst well and now they have this <laughs> they now they have the the snow skates and stuff which is like they're like super they're like little skates sort of oh yeah i don't know if you've seen those they're like yeah they just like continuously try to make skiing cool and everyone's like guy it's not cool well i think it's cool what does it mean to you carla huge part of my childhood like we were really lucky because i know skiing is like very expensive like i think a lift ticket back then would probably be around 60 bucks and probably cheaper for kids now they're like a hundred dollars and that's for one day um you know the equipment all that stuff it's a very expensive sport kind of like how hockey is an expensive sport too right i was gonna say it's got to be comparable to hockey because yeah. like you know like just your admission fee now for hockey is like fifteen hundred dollars oh shit really like yeah like i think oh, you could God. probably get a lift ticket and all the gear that would mm. gear that would last you a couple of seasons yeah and like not have to go to tournaments <laughs> and i think that you could <laughs> probably like ski for cheaper yeah and you could play hockey right now but yeah, so I we grew up our my whole family skied. Um, again, like the same as Britt, I grew up in Calgary, so we spent a lot of time at Norquay. Yes, uh, which is then where I got married. I'll do a story <laughs> for later, or a story for now. Um, because <laughs> like, I'm like, where am I going later? Uh, I my husband doesn't ski. He's Scottish. They don't. I don't. They don't have skis. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's across the country. Just. He doesn't know how to ski. So I took yeah. him to Norway on one of the first trips to Calgary. We were visiting. We got on a ski hill. I tried to teach him how to ski. We both tried to kill each other. But we didn't. <laughs> and so then many years later, we decided to get married on the mountain. Anyways, that's my Norway story. But um, yeah, it was a big thing. Like my dad was a huge skier. Um, he was really looking forward to the day when he could like ski during the day and then play like curl in the evening yeah that was like the best time and if you could fit golfing in there somehow 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I spent a lot of the last, my dad passed away, but the last few years I got to ski with him. And at one point I actually out skied him. Really? So Which that would was a... bother him so much. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't, and now I've retired because I was actually pretty good. Right. Like I could do everything and. But then I stopped, and like you said, if you don't do it, if you're doing it once a year, it's not something that you can do because your body, it's a different freaking movement. You know, a lot of sports are like that, too. Like, I mean, when I go back and play hockey, like, my mm-hmm. feet, my ankles kill, my oh, knees yeah. hurt, like, and it's a butt muscle. Like, and then when I go yeah. back and try to, like, ski or snowboard with my brother, I'm like, I am so sore. So I feel like yeah. it's, it's something, like, for him, my brother lives in Fernie. And he just lives to ski and snowboard. So, like, yeah. he honestly, I mean, he's married and has a child now, so it'll probably be less amount of times he hits the mountain. But, like, there was a point where he was, like, on the mountain, like, 200 days out of the year or something. So, he just got so good because yeah. he, like, has that access and that drive and that sort of thing. So, I think if you're not doing it all the time, it's, like oh my god like it's a yeah and it's a huge time commitment too like uh one of the reasons i retired was a because i was living in britain and their ski trips are this is where like that stereotypical kind of like british royalty kind of comes into you have to go to france you have <laughs> oh, to, right and then you stay at a resort but it's all very fancy right and all very very expensive oh and yeah. so i was like no i'm not i can't do that and then when i got here the snow is different in vancouver than it is in calgary i don't care what anybody tells me in the (laughs) mountains the snow is different there's like tons of powder and i am not a powder skier i am an ice i ski on the ice i'm basically just an ice skier i love that that's such a like nikiska thing too for sure because (laughs) oh yeah Nikiska would definitely like I mean there's just points of the year where it just like wasn't cold enough or not enough snow there that it would just be ice and I think because of the way like that the hill is or something there's like one side on the sort of like the west east eastern side that like I always remember that's just like a sheet of glass and when there's powder, you have to do so much more work. And so that's kind of why I retired. <laughs> like, I was a famous person. Because also, like, I'd have to get, you know, you have to get good quality stuff. So when you're renting as a kid and you're pretty good, it doesn't matter. But when you're, like, struggling and you're having to do so much squats, you really <laughs> need to have good equipment. That's expensive. It's, like, $90, like I said, to go, like, night skiing in Vancouver. And you have to have... You know, I don't know. Like, you have to have a vehicle in Calgary, but it's harder here. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't well, make any sense. But I've retired as a skier. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If Vancouver's now. to blame for the retirement, but I, I get what you're the saying. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like you do need proper gear, and yeah. and um, my brother, like, I mean, we always joke like your his ski equipment and his mountain bike equipment is worth more than his vehicles put together. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he just he has all the proper equipment, you know, and that's yeah. definitely what you need to be out there. Like, you do like you know, like you need stuff to keep warm, and like the yeah. gear now. There's some of the coolest stuff on the market now that oh. like my dad is always just like in awe about because he always says like we never had that kind of stuff to go skiing. Like, if yeah. I could have been that comfortable 20 years ago. I probably would have done it more. I mean, I still have not figured out how to make ski boots comfortable. 
Well, they kind of have though. They've like saw they don't they're not that hard plastic anymore. They're they're still pr- they're not like snowboard boots. They're not like the, snowboard boots, no. Yeah. But they're not like but the hard to break plastic. not break your ankle. But there's a reason. But there's a reason for it. But like <laughs> they've have they've they've come a long way. And even just like warmth, like like gear mm-hmm. to keep you warm, like the marina wool, like the smart wool, which is like a sheep from New Zealand that keeps you right. warm in the hot or it keeps you warm it keeps you cool it wicks away all your sweat like literally if you wear like merino wool with like a proper like super light down jacket yeah you're you can be in like minus 30 right like the gear now is just i mean it's just the technology has come a long way so you well, can I have a helmet that has speakers in it yeah it's cool that's fancy yeah, like my brother's always got all these. Uh, th- this goggle reads you the news. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's not helpful. Well, I want to go in the hill to not be doing that. Um, <laughs> my to- sister-in-law is like a huge skier. She used to be like, uh, she actually used to race. Um, and my brother obviously then skis with her all the time. They do crazy skiing. They do like the helicopter stuff. Yeah, that kind and of the, stuff. like hike in stuff. <laughs> That's my, I know. It's like, it's a lifestyle. It's also, let's get this straight. It's a lifestyle mm. we're not leading. <laughs> no. Like the hiking. Let's say it's because we're not rich. Sure. Let's I'm, go with that. I'm going to blame it back on the powder. Fault. We're just not used to skiing <laughs> powder. That's why we can't. Yeah. We like need to go to Norway though. <laughs> <laughs> my brother took me to these like beautiful, like this is like sort of the ski town life, but he took me to these like these beautiful hot springs that he was like, yeah, we drive up the secret mountain and we like hike down mm. and like literally the hike down was like 10 minutes. Right. And it, I complained the entire way. I'm like, my cold, <laughs> my feet are wet. And he was like, oh my God, you are literally going to sit in a hot spring. so like it is like and that's that too is this uh, to to dive into the psychology of it all Mm. carla this Mm -hmm. all lends itself to the psychology of skiing because there's so much about it that would put most people off Mm -hmm. like it takes forever to even like to even get ready to go skiing oh god to get geared up to get all your stuff packed the walk from the car alone (laughs) it's so much like it's truly like you have to get all your stuff ready the night before you have to have a good sleep you have to wake up you Mm -hmm. have to drive three hours out to the mountains or whatever the time frame is then you get to the mountains and it's like you've been on the road since 5 a.m you get there (laughs) you park then you have to walk in yeah. And then, like, some dads make you put your ski boots on in the parking lot. And you oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Walk in your ski boots over the rocks and the snow. <laughs> God forbid we put them on in the lodge. Yeah, because he's like, leave your shoes here. You're like, oh, God, I wouldn't want to feel a sense of relief at the end of the day. By yeah, or someone up. might steal my, like, size two boots of a child. Yeah. And they're then like, what will we do? We were like 90s kids. We're like, you're not bringing your <laughs> shoes. We're not carrying two pairs. We're not a two pairs no. of shoes family. <laughs> get your stuff and quit complaining and because it's so expensive the whole time you're doing i'm sure your mother and father are just like you know how much this cost do you know how much mm-hmm. time it took to do this if i hear one complaint i will bash your heads <laughs> together i mean like i didn't even know you could get food at a lodge or like any of that sort of drinking stuff till i was much older because it was always sandwiches yeah that were pre-made and you but- could have maybe a coke on the way home Buddy, I didn't even know you could get your own popcorn at a movie theater until I was like 28 years old. 
I was like, my everybody, they were like, that's too expensive. That's for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> we got two it for isn't one. for rich people. It's like 20 freaking bucks. Yeah, they're like, we got two for one coupons. Everyone shut up. <laughs> you're lucky you're out here. I, uh, <laughs> that whole process. But that's like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to do all that, it's a sense of yeah. achievement. You know, yeah. winter sports aren't easy. You're outside. It's cold. Not to mention it's dangerous. Yes. Like it's you're hurling yourself down a mountain with like, you know, who's taught you how to do that? Usually a parent or like a cousin who's like, I don't know, yeah. uh, stomp on the left side and then stomp on the right side. You're like, what if I hit a tree? They're like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like this sense of achievement of like beating all those odds and it's challenging fair uh, fears and pushing beyond all the limits that you kind of thought you might have had. Like, you know, even after saying all that, like after a day of snowboarding it mm. or skiing, you know, I feel like I'm like, holy, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, and by there's the end, nothing like, I'm sorry, sort of speaking about like, it, it's a thing that shouldn't bring you for the amount of effort that you have to put in. Because, like, if you think about it, all that stuff is, and then you have to go out the chairlift where you freeze to death, and you try not to fall off the chairlift like me, because I freak out about the chairlift all the time. <laughs> um, and then you get, like, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes maybe for the really long, maybe ten minutes. Yeah. But that feeling of, like, flying down, like, there's nothing like it. And you, There's nothing like it. No, there's nothing like it. And you're, like, you're sort of putting your fears to rest. You're completely surrounded and just completely immersed in nature yeah and there's something about winter that you know i just love mm-hmm. i used to hate winter so much because i was like it's cold it's hard it's you know it makes everything but it, there's such a beauty to winter like everything is just stuck like in this beautiful picture like well not if you're like on a dirty street covered in snow <laughs> But if you're on the side of a mountain, it literally looks like Mother Nature just, like, cast a spell on, like, this beautiful portrait for one minute. Or for, yeah. you know, and six, the whole, for six months, you know, whatever. The effect of, like, sound. Like, oh. it's silent, right? It's silent. And, yeah, there's something very comforting about it, I guess. And that air. In the city, you're seeing it more as, like, oh, I gotta get to work and I gotta get through all this crappy snow. Um, we were supposed to have snow yesterday and it was starting and then it stopped and it turned into rain and my heart was broken. <laughs> we're, uh, we here in Calgary, um, it, it's covered in snow. And like, yeah. I was shoveling this driveway today and I just was like the same, that all those same feelings of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a pain in the ass. I don't want to go out there. I don't want to have to shovel all this stuff. And then I got out there and I was like, oh, this is the best snow because it's so wet. <laughs> you could build a snowman with this snow. And I started to, I want hot chocolate. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here drinking this uh, wonderful B-52 coffee and mm-hmm. uh, with my Let It Snow candle burning. Aww. And just like a snowy scape outside. And I'm I'm honestly quite pleased with, with yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's you know um back to the psychology it it truly is just like this thing of being you know able to crush your fears be it being able to achieve things in a day it's you know a sense of achievement uh we talked about you know we talked about uh you know kind of being in the zone being away from all everything 
Like, mm-hmm. you have to be super highly focused on this. Like, you've got to get down the hill and you can't yeah. die. Yeah. Like, you're so focused. And, like, there's, like, the, the it's saying people like us who have, like, terrible anxiety, but it, it kind mm-hmm. of, like, it's a different anxiety. You're, like, like literally don't die. <laughs> yeah. I think I probably have less anxiety about the actual skiing part. Everything else. Yeah, everything Getting else. in the car, driving, da 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 once you're on that hill, you have to go down the hill. That's it. Yeah. Get down the hill. Hopefully you live. There's all you have to be worried about. Also, uh, I'm just I'm just looking at some of the some of the things here. I'm on, by the way, I'm on uh universe uh therapy. And universe is Ooh. spelled Y O U. Uh oh. which is a fun pun. Uh yeah. which I've never been to this website before. And it's actually um kind of this this article was a very easy read. I'm I'm really enjoying kind of going through it, it's not like you know a lot of the stuff. So I I find it's like lists and stuff, and I hate right. It kind of gets yeah. a little monotonous reading through lists. And this is a really wonderful article. So if you have uh, if you have the time, head over to universetherapy.com. It has some pretty interesting articles yeah. on whatever we'll you're put looking the link for. Up in the the show notes. Yeah. So it just it, it it just I mean it goes on and on here. A connection with nature, like we discussed. It it talks about putting things into perspective. Skiing and snowboarding can help bring a deep spiritual self-realization uh experiencing the flow state you know the flow state of your mind yeah uh connection with your body i mean you have to be completely connected to your body to make choices you know yeah oh my god i want to go skiing so badly right now (laughs) yeah Yeah. in in conclusion kind of and in sort of is it good for you is it bad for you i haven't found one bad thing (laughs) like no i think psychologically it's probably yeah, Very the multiple emotions. Physiologically, might not be the greatest thing. Well, but, you know, you know that's only. I if mean, you fall don't down. die, and then it'll be good for you. <laughs> it's just that it seems to be. It seems to me that there's a lot of multiple. Uh, there's just multiple emotional, cognitive, and psychological benefits within every element. Yeah, of it. I never really thought about it. Yeah, there is. It's except for that yeah, chairlift. Chairlift stresses me out too. You know what? But then you get to talk to people, so it's oh, kind yeah, of fun. Oh, yeah, my favorite, talking to strangers in a forced environment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't mind being on the chairlift. It's when I am have to get off. That's yeah. what starts with me. I don't oh. Wa- well, and especially if you snowboard, that's not Oh, okay. yeah, because you... Like, that's probably one of the reasons I've never started snowboarding, is because I've tried, and I, the getting off the chairlift, I'm like, nope, this is... Well, I'll just walk. Because you have Everyone, one boot in, one boot out. And you got to go like, yeah. oh, I know. I'm always stressed about it. Um, yeah. So anyways, the I would say, all in all, go ski- if you have the chance, go skiing. It's good for mm-hmm. you. I'm, gonna, I'm coming out of retirement, everyone. <laughs> but I'm going to ski in Calgary. At, I'm going to go to Norway and ski I've on the literally, ice. I got to be honest with you. I've never heard somebody who prefers the ice. <laughs> I know. Isn't that weird? So I was so excited to do the powder, and then I was like, "Oh no, I don't like that. I'm too big for powder." I do. Yeah, I me. Mean, that's another reason I've uh, I've maybe outgrown the sport. Uh, right. Yeah. Me too. Not so much uh, uh, longitude, but latitude. I've <laughs> grown, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There's a little more weight on those knees. Than oh, my poor knees! Me. I can hear them like. <sighs> My knees are like, why? Take up a water sport. <laughs> oh, I miss that uh, too. Anyway. <laughs> Any hoozles. Any hoozles. 
Yeah, that's really good. I like that I, I really, I guess you don't think about it, but yeah, there's like a special connection with nature when you're skiing. More than really any other winter sport, like tobogganing or, I don't know, who's lugeing for fun. Uh, <laughs> no, lugeing looks dope, actually. <laughs> if you wasn't like, if, I don't know, man. A lot of death and lugeing. <laughs> there is. There seems to be more, like, there's more death and lugeing than there is in, like, skiing. Because it's just, like, I always kind of thought, and perhaps naively, mm. I, more more so just like ignorantly i just didn't know that you could fly off the fucking track i know i was like who invented this like put a rope put a top on it i don't Remember know in the, was it luge in the vancouver olympics before the olympics started but then while they were still doing the training somebody flew off absolutely the jordanian yeah and hit like a, i think like a post or something he flew, yeah, he flew literally off the track and then up into the air and smoked like a pole that, yeah. when they looked at it, was like kind of an oversight and really shouldn't have been there. Ugh, yeah. They were, they made it a little too fast. Because the thing is, like, I would really like to go bobsledding um, because I feel like they just always fall over, but they're kind of like inside a thing. Like, you always see a bobsled, t- like, tip, but you just tuck your head and you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> or skeleton there's no tucking your head yeah it's like the motorcycle of uh it is letting yes. sports isn't it yeah it's like if you get in a car like i mean chances are you'll potentially survive i mean mm-hmm. but in a luge they're just like you guys there's no your body yeah i mean a lot of winter sports like all the stuff they have in the olympics now i mean that's a young man's game you're not doing <laughs> that at 28 yeah, unless I take up, unless I have some like second life that I start mm-hmm. tomorrow where mm-hmm. I'm like, all I do is yoga and granola and helicopter ski. <laughs> but I have a feeling it's going to look more like, oh God, it's 11 a.m. again. I've been trying to get up at nine all week. <laughs> uh, can I can I tell you a story? Please. A history story. What happens when you mix Finland the Soviets and meth. <laughs> Fattingham? <laughs> I don't know what that is, but okay. It's a Norwegian cookie? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Does it have meth in it? Um, I hope not. My grandmother <laughs> used to serve it to us as children. Oh, you never know. Actually, you don't want to give meth to children. That would be, they don't need any more energy. Anyways, <laughs> you get Amo Kuvianen. Well, I'm, that's going to be not how you pronounce it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up every time I pronounce his name. Anyways, he was a Finnish uh, soldier during World War II who suffered an overdose on methamphetamine during combat. Jesus. Yeah. So, a little background, because I didn't know any of this. Um, Can you imagine if there was no background? And I was like, Carla, this is... You're <laughs> not like, telling us anything. Story over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stalin had ordered the invasion of Finland. This was in the 40s. Based on um, Russia had historical possession of lands previously. So like before 1917, they owned some of the parts of Finland. So, you know, that whole like law of like, I had it at one point, so give it back to me. Uh, world law that we all <laughs> That was mine. <laughs> I touched it first. I touched it last. Well... <laughs> And that's why we have war. 
Uh, it was called the Winter War or Talvisota. I wonder because you have like your Norwegian-y stuff if you could be able to pronounce the Finnish stuff. Um, potentially, but when you say I have my Norwegian-y stuff, let's, let's like be honest about that. Here's what happened. I bought like a, um, Norwegian to English dictionary and like Mm -hmm. to learn Norwegian. And then I told my grandmother about it and she was like, uh, she who spoke, who like spoke Norwegian and they're from Norway. Right. And then she was like, why would you learn Norwegian? (laughs) And I did it as a thing to be like, honor the family. Like in my, like my, like heart of hearts, I was like, I'm going to learn Norwegian and really, you know, do the family proud. And then she was just like, dear, no one speaks Norwegian outside of Norway. It's completely <laughs> useless. Aww. But Aww. Um, yeah, there's some weird words. How's it spelled? Uh, T-A-L-V-I-S-O-T-A. Talvisota. Talvisota. Anyways, so- that's the Finnish word for this winter war. Okay. Uh, and they... The Finnish were actually greatly outnumbered by the Soviets, uh, so they actually put up a pretty good resistance, but by 1940, they finally had to secede the land to Stalin. And then, having lost this land, Stalin, or having gotten this land, Stalin's like, all right, I gotta go deal with this dickbag, Hitler. Don't know if you've <laughs> heard of him. Um, so just I like leave- that Stalin's the good guy, though. <laughs> no, no, it's very confusing. Um... <laughs> So Stalin's like, you know, don't touch that land. That's my land. Um, I got to go deal with this murdering guy. So the Finnish see this as an opportunity. They're like, hey, he's distracted by this evil guy. Um, We can get our land back. And hey, maybe we just join up with the evil guy for like a little bit. Like, we don't want to like kill the Jewish people. But we'd really like our land back. And they seem to be like fighting on the side that we want to fight on. Guilty by association, you dirty Finns. I know. I couldn't believe that Finland was had allied with Germany with Nazis, well, if, but only. I know, in but this if situation. you look at like where the geographical location of Finland is, it's actually on the European side. Like it's not, you know how like oh, Scandinavia. Yeah. Scandinavia is like kind of like uh, its own little like. Is it a peninsula or island? Well, I found out today it's not because it's still connected to Russia. Finland is, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that it was Finland and then, like, some ocean and then Russia. So I no. thought Finland and Sweden and all that were, like, on their own. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like, you know, how, like, Alaska is yeah. to Canada? Yeah. That's what it looks like uh, Finland to the U- USSR or <laughs> what an antiquated reference the USSR. Well, at that point, they were almost the USSR. They were the Soviet. Oh. Yeah, they were the. the yeah. Mm. Okay. Um. Anyways. So, I mean, the, Finland was just kind of doing this side of things. So, you know, to each their own, you make your decisions and you lay in your bed and da 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 da. Made your bed, Finland, lay in it. <laughs> so, this was now known as the Continuation War. These are great names. I'm loving this. Or <laughs> Jack Tasota. Definitely not how it's pronounced. Anyway, um, they were fighting in Lapland, which is the northernmost region in. Finland. Also, that's where Santa lives. So, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing during that period, but anyways, the Finns and the Germans were battling the Red Army. And they were trying to get this land back for Finland, and I think Germany was just probably trying to beat the Soviets and everybody else. So, Amo Kuvienen was on ski patrol in Murmansk, which is in the port... Merman. 
Merman. Good. So that's a port in northwest Russia. So it's pretty close to Finland and like kind of up where there. So they were there in March or April of 1944. This story has a lot of like a lot of people are are quoting this story and it all sounds the exact same and they're using the exact same lines. So I'm a little not sure what if how much information is actually correct and considering, you know, it was also very wartime and there was lots of going on. But anyways, around let's say March or April 1944, his unit was attacked um, but him and his comrades managed to escape. So they were being attacked by the Soviets for being on patrol, ski patrol, because they okay. were skiing, because they're Finnish. I don't know <laughs> if they come out of the womb with skis on. I don't, it's not, <laughs> not my, not my business. Um, Kuvienin was tasked with carrying the uh, unit's supply of pervitin, which was an early form of an that sounded Finnish, if that makes you feel better. No, I'm trying to say meth. It was an early form of meth. Okay. Methamphetamine. Amphetamine. Thank you. Oh, my God. Okay. So there is a whole thing that's kind of come out in the last few years about how much the Nazis used, like, methamphetamines to keep their soldiers awake. Oh so yeah, like... there's like basically anybody in like World War 1 and 2 like and especially when um the Nazis were like overtaking like huge parts of Europe mm-hmm. because they couldn't figure out how they were getting so far. Yeah. It's cuz they like, were everybody speed. else would be like yeah, they'd be like good night and the Nazis would be like we're here and you're like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what did you vacuum the whole way here? <laughs> um there, I think there's a little bit of a it's kind of controversial because People don't want to assign, um, a, like a lack of blame on Nazis because by saying like excusing their behavior by saying that they were on meth, um, which is fair. Right. But yeah, they was definitely like it, this. This pervitin was supplied by the Germans to the Finnish as kind of basic supplies, I guess. Right. So he was carrying it, and after skiing several hours to try to escape the Russians. He pulled out the bottle and was like, okay, I'm really tired. I'll take one of these pills. But for some reason, he couldn't get a single pill out. Now, I call bullshit on this story. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, no, no. Um, he didn't get a single pill out, but he could get the entire bottle into and poured it into his hand and took all of the pills, all 30 pills. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you can't get one out, but you can take 30. Maybe he's just really tired. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so he had, after a short burst of energy, he then hit the delirium stage and then no. just lost consciousness. So he woke up the next day. His unit was gone, probably because they were pissed because he took all the fun drugs. And... <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, that's just like the equivalent of waking up after a part, or, wait, you know, like waking up and they'd be like, who did the rest of the cocaine? And just one yeah. guy's like, I, co- I couldn't get one line out, but I could get the whole the pile in my nose. Is his face is covered in powder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what have you been eating? Sugar donuts? <laughs> <laughs> so all he had was his clothes that he was wearing, a rifle and some water and no other supplies. So he's obviously still on the, on the, um, still 
trying to get away from the Russians. And now he's got speed in him. A lot of speed. Like enough <laughs> to kill you. Uh, so he's traveling through the landscape on his skis. Uh, and he sets off a landmine. And gets <laughs> quite a few... <laughs> he gets quite a few serious injuries. Now, I don't know if this is like how people, when they're drunk and they get in a car accident, they live... They're more likely to live because their bodies are like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I don't know if that's kind of what the situation was. But he then gets laid in a ditch for several days waiting for help. Been there, done that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll walk home from the pub. Seems like a good idea. And then... um, I I just laid there till someone came. (laughs) But then nobody came. And this is like minus 20 weather. uh, Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit because that doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world so yeah hey we Um, don't know what that is in fahrenheit because (laughs) guess what it doesn't fucking matter (laughs) no one else does that yeah and he was barely eating because a you don't need to eat when you're on speed and b he didn't have a lot so he ate some pine buds and like a jaybird that he ate raw i don't know why like a bird eating raw freaks me out more than anything else I was going to say, that's some, like, Ozzy Osbourne shit. He's just like, (laughs) I thought it was a fake Jaybird. He ends up traveling 402 kilometers, or 250 miles, from the point of origin. So, and he did this all on his skis. So, he finally gets rescued, and he's taken to the hospital, and his heart rate is 200 beats a minute, which, (laughs) even on my worst running day, I am not getting anywhere near this. And I feel like there's like... a championship horse somewhere with that with a resting heart being <laughs> lower than that. Yeah. Uh, so this is triple the average heart rate. And keeping in mind, this is, like, I don't know the exact time, like at least a week, if not longer, after he has taken these pills. He's not taken any more. This is still his original 30 pills that he took. He weighs only 43 kilograms, 94 pounds, because, well, A, he didn't eat, and be he skied for a week and a half that's the ski diet we need to go on <laughs> i know but i think i probably floats through the powder <laughs> <laughs> uh but he he survived and he didn't die until 1989 age 72 and now oh he's God. kind of like a celebrity on reddit like <laughs> there's always a post that comes up on like that crazy finnish soldier who da 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 um, there's memes about him. So, you know, that's war. Some people have a really shitty time. He had a really shitty time, but in a different way. Half of it was in his own head. That's actually the the song, uh, the War, What Is It Good For? That's what the inspiration was for that song. Oh. Did you know that? No, I didn't. And that's because I made it up. <laughs> I was like, what's the part <laughs> where they talk about the skiing? <laughs> war. <laughs> Well, apparently it's good for losing weight. So, yeah, you know what? That works for everybody. Soldiers, like people in war-torn areas. Two fours. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great story, dude. Mm-hmm. And what was that guy's name again? So, it's uh, Aomin. So, A-I-M-O. Aimoi? I don't know. Uh, Kuvievin. Kuvievin. No problem with Kuvievin. I know. It's kind of because it sounds Russian and sometimes I think it's a Russian-y thing. 
or I'm pronouncing well, it completely wrong. No, I think you got it good. The a, the a, emo, emo. emo? I don't know any Finnish people to check in with. I, I don't either. My uncle played uh, hockey in Finland for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. He did. He played in the, uh, uh, he was playing here in the WHL in Canada. And then he, oh, cool. I think he did a couple of, maybe a season uh, in the NHL. And then he went over and played in the KHL, which was uh, a team, which is the Russian league. And oh. he was playing for a Finnish team. Yeah. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. My uh, my dad has this beautiful hand-carved uh, knife. Like, sorry, like it's a wooden handle. Mm-hmm. With like a, a stone made blade, you know, oh. and uh, yeah, it's a Finnish knife. It's like in this beautiful sheath and stuff. I used to look at it as a kid all the time, and oh. he'd say, "Oh yeah, that's when your uncle played for the Finnish league." That's cool. Yeah, so that's my fun skiing story. Um, well, that's pretty great. Yeah. Now, do you little... have anything a little more modern? Well, a little more modern, but oh, not. Okay. It doesn't get us. It doesn't get us into the uh, the two thousands by any means. But I feel like there was a movie recently made. Yes, about this subject, mm-hmm. and uh, you suggested me this this afternoon. Oh, I was trying to pretend that I was surprised. I was like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> What happened is we were supposed to do a different episode tonight. Yes. And uh, this was all very last minute. And I've kind of fallen in love with this whole subject and mm-hmm. everything we've, everything has come together so serendipitously. Like, yeah. you know, it was all sort of last minute. And we thought, okay, well, what about this? And what about this? And it, it was just like all these great stories and something that was so perfect for the snow just coming down. Uh, so the new story is uh, uh, about Eddie the Eagle. Yay! <laughs> so Eddie the Eagle um, was a British ski jumper, and his name Michael Edwards, born on December fifth, nineteen sixty-three, known as Eddie the Eagle. Uh, he was a ski jumper in and an Olympian who, in nineteen eighty-eight, became the first competitor since nineteen twenty-eight to represent Great Britain in the Olympic ski jumping, finishing last in the seventy meter. And uh, also last in the 90 meter events, he held the British ski jumping record from 1988 all the way up until 2001. Oh, wow. He also took part in amateur ski speed skiing, uh, running at 106.8 kilometers per hour, 66.4 miles per hour. And uh, a ski, a stunt ski jumper holding the world and he has the world record holder for jumping over six buses oh oh so it's <laughs> a little like evil can you believe he's pretty cool so i'll give you a little background on him eddie uh or his name was actually michael he was born in uh chetland chet chet cheltenham cheltenham is it gloucestershire uh gloucester Glo- is <laughs> you that take that's... like half the words out or half the the um, letters out of a name, and then, then I will <laughs> give you the spelling of this name. It's it's truly Gloucester. Yeah. Oh my God! This is how it's spelled: G L O U C E S T E R S H I R E. Yep. That's Gloucester. <laughs> yeah. Good grief! I mean, yeah, that's that's Britain. <laughs> so his family calls him by his given name Michael. Eddie was a nickname uh, uh, derived by school friends uh, from his surname, obviously Edwards. Um, he was a 
he like he was not a downhill he didn't grow up skiing right he wasn't like he wasn't in any competitions growing up he had like he just talked about wanting to be in the olympics for something well and you he can't wasn't... really grow up if you're not rich in england and ski because where, where are you going to ski there was nowhere to ski so he like he sort of began edwards began jumping under the eye of john viscombe and chuck burgum in lake placid new york Mm. and he was using burgum's equipment and he had to wear six pairs of socks to make the boots fit Mm. he was also and we i guess this goes back to an earlier point made by us he was at a disadvantage by his weight because he weighed 82 kilograms about 121 or 181 pounds. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. Like he was yeah. kind of a chubby guy. Yeah, <laughs> like he was he was 20 pounds heavier than the next heaviest competitor. Oh right. So the heaviest guy jumping, and this is like a thing that you need like uh, you know aerodynamics and mm-hmm. really light weight, and you have to be like really good shape and everything like that. And he was just like 20 pounds fatter than the fattest dude. Right. Like I had a, I grew up, I think, well, as I mentioned, I had a friend that was an Olympic ski jumper and he was like five foot one. Like he was tiny, tiny, tiny. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're like not big guys. No. Cause you need to be able to fly. Fly. Flying. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing is, is he was completely like, he had very little training. He uh, did not have any financial support, like typically, or support rather, like typically going into the Olympics, like you would have like a lot of people backing you mm-hmm. because it is so expensive to train and it is so expensive to just continue doing something. So if you're at that high of a level, typically like there's a lot of corporate sponsors or like uh, community sponsors and stuff like that and people like fundraise for you. Yeah, he, especially he just, in the winter stuff because... Not that I'm saying like racers can just run around the street, but they they can. You can't just ski jump down your street. No, like there was no place to do it. So he like literally didn't like he like raced down hills in Britain and like like on skate you know skates. Mm-hmm. He like he just like tried everything. He right. was he was quite comparable to like I mean in terms of tone I guess or yeah uh, like uh, media draw he was like comparable to the jamaican bobsled team in the 1988 winter olympics Mm. in calgary like i mean it was just like these two totally like they shouldn't have been doing this thing because they were from countries that it didn't make sense to even train in you know right yeah so another like thing that he was known for that people just absolutely loved or it it also like added to the media frenzy was uh he, he had great big thick glasses he was like so far-sighted right so he uh had great big thick glasses under his goggles which would mist up like at a great altitude so when he'd fly into the air his glasses would just fog up and he couldn't see the landing oh oh that's not good so it was like there was all these like little things that all these little like oddities and and wonderful things that made him just an absolute media draw like i called my dad this afternoon when we talked about doing this you had suggested yeah. this and i and i just kind of wanted to hear because my my dad talks about all the time all the events he went to uh in the 88 olympics yeah and uh um as just like a side note like my dad and his friends were so into this and my into the 88 olympics and they were mm. so excited about it being in calgary and my uncle entered a contest you could enter a contest 
um, so that you could carry the Olympic torch. Oh. Like you could be part of the torch run. Yeah. So my uncle entered the contest like 300 times. Like, because you could like just enter every time you went to McDonald's or something like that. It right. Was, you know, that was the kind of contest it was. So he won the contest and my, he got to do the torch run and all my dad and his, all his friends showed up on a big bus Aww. to watch my uncle run the torch that's amazing yeah it was like and there are so many pictures of it and this is such a fond memory for my whole family and yeah my uncle's like this really funny awesome guy and just like always does like the neatest things and there's all these great pictures of him running the 88 olympic torch in all the olympic gear you know yeah so i thought my dad might have some just like great personal insight as to what what eddie the eagle yeah, was all about yeah. you know just so i called him this afternoon and i said dad i said i can google all the facts but just <laughs> tell me tell me what you you what was the feeling around this guy you know mm-hmm. and he just said oh yeah he was a big media draw because he was just, just this guy that had no training mm-hmm. everybody knew it he was such a nerd yeah he goes his glasses would get all fogged up <laughs> he was like he had no business being on skis yeah <laughs> like, and he said that people were like half there to watch him succeed because he was an underdog. Right. And half there to just watch him fail. Yeah. Because the expectation was that he was just going to splat on his face and break yeah. all of his bones. So like half of you was like, oh, come on, big guy, because he was such an underdog. Yeah. And the other half was just like, oh, God. So even though he wasn't that good, he was just like he had such a following and my dad said he wasn't at any of the events, but it was like talked about and highly sought after because you couldn't get into the ski jumping. It was like one of right. the hardest events to to go and watch. Yeah. My husband always talks about how in the Olympics, you should always have like a regular person do the sport. And yeah. then so that you kind of understand because like when you watch ski jumping, you're like, oh, that guy, he uh, really his, you know, tip up because, you know, we all become experts during the Olympics, uh, yeah. on whatever sport that we've been watching <laughs> for the last five minutes. Um, know, there's, there's divers and i'm always just like oh this fucking guy couldn't twirl if he <laughs> yeah you're like talk it uh, <laughs> so you know it's hard to sort of understand from a normal human being so i think they should do this more personally i think we should have a jamaican like bobsled team at all things and i think we should uh have an eddie the eagle maybe that's like ski jumping i understand a little more dangerous let's maybe not let the well, there's actually like a, there's a movie called Eddie the Eagle. Yes, I've seen it and a I've, thousand times. Um, have it you? Has Taron Egerton? He's in Kingsman, and he's also in Rocket Man, playing uh, Elton John. Oh, he's like okay. one of the best actors because he just seems I to like him. become in he becomes his character. And he doesn't you, you just think he's Elton John or you just think he's Eddie the Eagle? Uh, Hugh Jackman in it. Might I say this as just a side note? Mm. That because they probably will be compared forever because they came out at the same time. The mm. Freddie Mercury doc, mm-hmm. or not doc, the uh, whatever the biopic, oh, yeah. Um, and the uh, Elton John one. I don't feel like the Elton John one got as much like media no. coverage or something. And, and it, it was, was so much better. so much better. Yes, it was so good. I sobbed through at least 90% of that film. Me and my mother and my sister went to the, like the cheap theaters because it was just like mm. not a big thing and my mom was like actually you know what I really wanted to see the Elton John movie. Yeah. So we went on um, a, like a Tuesday matinee Yeah. and went and watched it and the three of us were just like sobbing. It was so oh, good so and good. it was just like 
And we all said afterwards, we're like, that was way better than the Freddie Mercury oh, yeah. biopic. Um, I think the I think the biopic was just too it, like those people are so legendary and amazing and don't fit within like I think like a normal just day to day story. And I think that in Rocket Man they they play with that. They like you know everything is kind of out there. Like it's not it's not a rational well, film, right? No, there's an element of surrealism. Yeah, so it. It's sort of in and out of reality, whereas um, I feel like also, too, like, Freddie Mercury is dead, so we yeah. never watched him age, and we never, like, watched him turn right. into this other person, whereas Elton John, for me, I didn't know him at a young age. Right. I only know old Elton John. Right, yeah. I'm 34 yeah. years old, like... Lion King. You know, I... Yeah. Was, like, I grew up with his music, um, but I wouldn't have known who he was until, I think, Lion King came out. Yep. We well, I grew up with his music, but I just always I never knew him like as this young guy. And like right. my dad always talks about, oh yeah, when he was young, like he was like a young rock and roll guy. Like, yeah. oh. so like you, that the film, one, I felt like did the one such thing a I wonderful. have against the film, not that it's against like that this is a bad thing, but the Scottish guy that is really mean to him, his like boyfriend manager. Oh, guy, that guy's a jerk. He's such a jerk, but he's so hot, and it really upset me. <laughs> Because I had a crush <laughs> on him before, and now I'm like, no, you were mean to Elton John <laughs> towards the actor now. And I'm like, it's a good thing you got knifed in Game of Thrones. Um, I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> anyways. Anyways, uh, that was a side note. That's pretty cool about Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, so he actually returned to Calgary in 2008 mm. to take part in uh, just a bunch of festivals. Uh, festivities marking the 20th anniversary of the, of the game right and during during his visit he just broke the zip line and hung around canada olympic park with a member of the jamaican bobsled team oh, and uh, fine. yeah he didn't really like do it. he's old now you know what i mean right so he's just like he's not gonna do anything too crazy mm. but yeah oh and Ed- uh, edwards was chosen as the torchbearer in the relay for uh, the 2010 vancouver olympics where he ran Aww. the torch on the 7th of January in Winnipeg. So, yeah, he oh, wow. was like, he, it seems to me like he, even that he was like a little bit of a novelty, but I mean, he's, yeah. regard, he's regarded as like the, kind of this guy who wasn't supposed to do anything and, and came out on top and, it's, well, not really on top, but. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't actually, he he was gonna do. I didn't know about him until I moved to the UK. Like, even though everybody talks about the Olympics all the time, like the Calgary Olympics in yeah. Calgary, everybody talks about it all the time. I was four, so I didn't get to go, um, <laughs> and I have no memory of it. But uh, like, I really, I really know the the Cool Runnings film and the Jamaican bobsled team. That whole story, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Eddie Eagle didn't maybe get as much. Like, had you heard about him before? My dad had made reference to him occasionally. Right. Like, like I mean. I, I can remember him saying, like, whoa, watch out, it's Eddie the Eagle, like, under his kids. Right. But, like, I never knew what it meant. Like, like I just, from, I remember, I've heard it, but mm-hmm. I've just never really thought much of it. I think maybe the reason that I got, it kept getting brought up to me in Britain is because for British people, when I say I'm from Calgary, that's going to be their only thing they relate with Calgary is, oh, Eddie the Eagle was there. And everybody knows about the Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah. Like, when we were in Scotland, somebody was like, where are you guys from? And they were like, uh the we're from calgary and they're 
somebody was like, hey, like the Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> so Cruel Runnings was such a, yeah. <laughs> like, like a 90s film oh, that everybody so remembers. John Candy. <laughs> yeah. Kiss my lucky egg, coach. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to point a- out there is a bit of a fallacy in both of those films. Okay. For, you know, obviously creating of drama. They kind of portrayed as the other Olympians were quite mean to them. And Where that wasn't the case at all. That was not the case at all. No. They, they were, were like, like really supportive. They were like over embraced yeah. because they were like these. Yeah. I don't. That's just like the nature Which, of. That's what I want to watch in a film. I want to watch everyone like, being like lovey-dovey and amazing to everybody and supportive. I don't like yeah, conflict. I you know i don't that's a, maybe a, a shift in the generations or something like that hmm. where they're like they're like putting all this conflict in there where where it's like now we're just like i don't think that needs to happen yeah like, did they hold hands i want to see them holding hands i know we um, all we care the, about is like the bro bromances now yeah that's and the cis well, What's the, the, ver- <laughs> the female version of that hormances i don't know <laughs> yes yeah hormances <laughs> um, <laughs> the film i will tell you this the film eddie the eagle was released in early 2016 and grossed a worldwide total of 46.1 million in the uk it grossed uh 20 or 12.8 million making it the highest grossing uh british film of 2016 oh it is very and it good also i really enjoyed it i'm gonna go i think we'll watch it tonight um on rotten tomatoes Yay. the film has a rating of 82 percent and 197 reviews with an average rating of 6.5 out of 10. So it was a beloved film. Yeah. And just keep in mind, the Olympians were nicer to him. So if that's upsetting yeah. you, just remember. Olympians keep in mind, we're nice nicer people. in Calgary. Yeah. Also, Olympians yeah. are always sleeping with each other. Like, yeah, we learned nothing else like... from the Vancouver Olympics. It was just that there's just STDs going through the Olympics like nobody's business because <laughs> everyone was fucking everyone. Well, Carla, speaking of STDs, (laughs) yay! let's talk about Banff, baby. Uh, Also the the home of Norquay. Yes, the home of Norquay, the home of most of the mountains, actually, that would would have been a part of the uh, 1988 Olympics. Um, We have uh, the Calgary Olympic Park, which at the time was called uh, Pascapoo. Yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, but all most it's of the mountains. It's just a hill in Calgary. Let's be honest. It's, it's essentially a bare a... hill. <laughs> Very ugly. It's a hill. And, but no you know trees. what? The ski, that's where the ski jumps are. Yeah. Although they're um, t- being taken down now. So call your local mayor and tell them I mean, to put them back up. Because they're probably so dangerous. No, that's true. <laughs> I think they had to take them down because they were like, we're not within like uh, safety specs, oh, okay. specs All right. anymore. That's so fair. they could have left fair. them up. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. But they were just kind of like sitting there. Yeah. Um, but that's where the ski jumping would have happened, would would have been in Calgary. But Banff and area is where they uh, would have done the majority of the other uh, ski and snow sports, mm-hmm. which is where the B-52 cocktail or layered shot uh, was made. No was way. Ah! Yep. Yep. You didn't know that when you picked this drink? No. Oh. I'm telling you, this episode is beyond serendipitous. <gasps> this is serendipitous. Um, the origins of the B-52 shot are not well documented, but 
It, most claims are that the B-52 was invented by Peter Finch, a head bartender at the Banff Springs Hotel in Banff, Alberta. Finch named all of his new drinks after his favorite bands, albums, or songs, and he named the drink after the band, obviously, uh, bearing the same name. And is obviously not directly named after the U.S. B-52 uh, Stratosphere Bomber, which was right. what the band was named after. Right. Um, Can we yeah, talk about so... the Banff Springs Hotel before we go into the the drink? What do you want to know about the Banff Springs Hotel? Well, I just want everyone to know about it. It's It's like our own castle. We have a castle in the mountains, guys. Yeah, and... I can give you a little history on the Banff oh, Springs. Yes, the please. Fairmont Banff Springs, formerly and most commonly known as the Banff Springs Hotel, is a historic hotel located in Banff, Alberta, Canada. The entire town of the hotel is situated in Banff National Park, a national park managed by Parks Canada. The hotel overlooks the valley towards Mount Rundle. And they're both situated within the Rocky Mountain Range. And the, ho- the hotel is located at an altitude of 1 1,414 meters, so 4,639 feet. So it's basically, like, at the top of a mountain. It's so pretty. Um, they yeah, built it backwards. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, if, the, if you look at it from where you come in, that actually was supposed to be the other side. And now oh. the really, really pretty side looks out into the mountains, and there's a bar back there. I don't know if that was the bar where the drink was made, but... If you I ever get there, you sit on the back of back bar, which is supposed to be the front, but they accidentally fucked it up, and then it actually ends up working okay. So, <laughs> I have a lot of facts about the Bam Springs. Hey guys, if you've become a Patreon, maybe Brittany and I can go hang out in the Bam Springs and talk to all the you ghosts. Guys, we would do, yeah, we would do like a ghosty episode. We go up to the Bam Springs and we would do like a winter wonderland episode yeah. for you. Yeah, that could potentially be like a video episode as well. Oh, good idea. So join our Patreon. Yes. Fun Mom, listen to what Brittany's <laughs> telling you. And don't ask my brother to figure it out for you. He's skiing. He's he's on a helicopter right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sorry, so, yeah. Uh, so the drink, the B-52, uh, was... Uh, where were we here? Yeah, it was named after kind of bands and stuff. Right. It would... One of Finch's first company, or customers, so the bartender's first customers, owned uh, restaurants in various cities in Alberta, and he liked the drink so much that he put it on all of his menus, leading to the perception that the B-52 originated at the Keg Steakhouse in Calgary, Alberta in 1977. Oh. But, so it, it still has Calgary, to, even even if that's the belief, mm-hmm. um, which it's pretty clearly states here that it was made in Banff. Yeah. But uh, the keg steakhouse is like, uh, I mean, we have them all over Western Canada here. Are they and it's like Canadian? To, I guess so. Uh, I didn't, yeah. Didn't. Yeah, yeah. The, Are they what, from I think Calgary? The first, I don't think so. You know what? I think the first keg steakhouse was in Langley, British Columbia. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't think they still have one. <laughs> because uh. Um, uh, my dear friend who uh, grew up in Fort Langley talks, he has a lot of stories about being at the first keg steakhouse uh, oh. with his family. Yeah, here, I'm going to look it up here. No, apparently the original was the Keg and Cleaver. Ooh, I like that name. Um, yeah, like that in 1971 in North Vancouver. Oh, in North Vancouver. Inter- yeah. Well, that might have been the one that they went to. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, or they did they have a one in Langley? Probably. I can't remember. 
he just lived in Fort Langley, so I just, just sort of assumed it was in Langley. It's not far to get to. Uh, no, from there. No. They used to have one, a really nice one in New West, in like an old railway station, but that's potentially cool. that's where he speaks. Maybe it was very old and haunted. All these things haunted. Guys, there's so many ghosts and all this shit. I feel like in Canada we have a lot of ghosts, and in the UK they're like, no, <laughs> everything is too old. <laughs> Although, maybe that's because uh, our former uh, guest, remember she was talking oh, about on a witch episode? Oh, Victoria. Witch, yeah, Victoria mentioned that ghosts only last so long, so... Oh, I was wondering where I heard that. That fact was rattling around in my brain when you were saying that. And I was like, I wonder who told me that. Yeah, Victoria. Shout out to Victoria. Um, So do you want to know what's... Okay, so this is like another sort of serendipitous (laughs) thing that's happened in this episode. Mm -hmm. Is that there are two very popular versions of the B-52. And one is uh, the shot, which is a little more popular. Yeah. And the other is a coffee. You can order it as a coffee. I made the coffee and Carla made the shot. So we kind of got the best of both worlds here. Yeah, I didn't and... know we were doing the coffee. <laughs> I had only heard well, of it as a shot. In the Okay, let me do the both a similar thing. Right. But in the coffee, it's coffee. Mm-hmm. One ounce of, or sorry, half an ounce. I put one ounce of everything. That's why I'm having <laughs> too much fun. Um, but you should really put half an ounce of Kahlua. Half an ounce of Bailey's, half an ounce of Grand Marnier, coffee, and then uh, whipped cream on top. Oh. So that's in like a, sh- an after dinner aperitif. Is that what they call those things? Like we eat. I have- would absolutely describe it as an aperitif. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that word. <laughs> Sorry. Do, do you know what this is? Oh, Brittany learns a new word. Brittany learns a new word. <laughs> it's kind of like what you would have you have like an irish coffee or whatever like after you're at the keg and you've had your nice steak keg sponsor us um yeah oh please the keg sponsor <laughs> us eat, so i haven't had keg in since the coronavirus <laughs> okay anyways um, um but yeah you would have your coffee after unless you're an alcoholic like we are we just keep drinking but you know classy people have a coffee with alcohol <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, too. I've also been to the keg five times during Corona. <laughs> I just, there's not one close. It's downtown, and I don't, I That's don't right. go downtown. I have one very close to my house, and we have, like, a special booth. We go with my family, oh. and they got escargot and mushrooms Neptune. Yeah, and there's, like, a special booth in the corner that my mom oh. calls ahead and reserves. And the lady always goes, it's first come, first serve. And she goes, okay, well, we'll be there in an hour. Why don't you just put our name on there? Because my mom's kind of sassy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Mama um, She's the best. It's a big, uh, yeah. She is the best, and there it's just like a big booth in the corner. And yeah, we have a lot of dinners and then a lot of apartifs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Next learn time the you're word. there, please stand up and tell everyone that that's what it's I'm called. going to. I'm going to announce myself like I'm the fucking <laughs> Duke of Loserville and be like, "Excuse me, I'd like a aperitif." <laughs> I may be uh, totally not right in that, but I think that's what it is. Oh my god, please call this episode the Duke of Loserville. Writing <laughs> <laughs> um, it down. Okay. Um the So the shot um is is the similar version of that, but it's obviously it's actually just a it's a layered shot. So right. instead of the coffee you use Kahlua, just Kahlua on its own. And then uh 
on top of the Kahlua, you go Bailey's, and the Bailey's sits heavy on the Kahlua, and then the Grand Marnier on top of that. So it is a layered shot. So like if you do it nicely, yeah, it should be it should be layered. So so yeah, my... you can either sorry go oh, ahead. Um, uh, uh, I use an app called uh, Barback. Okay. Which you can um, basically put all your inventory in and then it gives you what alcohol you can make. But I use this usually for whatever episodes we're doing. And it says spoon. Like the oh. stuff in. So I, I did not do that because I was like, I don't need to spoon it in. And thus <laughs> mine did not look like three distinct shots. It looked like two. But the Grand Marnier did not sit Oh, the Grand Marnier. You couldn't float yeah. the Marnier? I couldn't. I guess it's called Spoon Float. Sorry. Yes. Oh, God. You know, yeah, I'm know. reading it here that it, it it's suggested that way as well. Because it'd be hard to, uh, it's hard to, it is hard to layer dr- shots like that. Yeah. yeah. But it's very good. But, uh, I drank all mine. I spilled some of it, but <laughs> that's because I put it in a fancy martini glass and I don't know how to use fancy glassware. Um... <laughs> Me and my sister just made like one, <laughs> two ounce versions of this. So right. we put like two ounces of Bailey's, one ounce of Grand Marnier, and one ounce of um, uh, Kahlua. Right. I Which did a some... I did a three count pour. That's my. Although every time I do that, I think of like your mom being like vodka. You can pour vodka. <laughs> And say the word so you know how much to pause. And when I'm like, one, That's how my mom mom, uh, measures vodka when she's on a boat. She told me that. You don't need a shot glass. You just need to say the word vodka. (laughs) So she just goes, vodka. I'm like, boy, you could get a pretty heavy. Yeah, a three count is pretty heavy. Well, I'm doing it. This is from Bar Rescue that I watch where they do the one, two, three. Or they probably do like seven or something. I obviously do wasn't you, paying attention. <laughs> I just tried to count the same. Do you have like same. the top on there when you no. do it? No, no, no. Oh. So I'm yeah. That they have a top. <laughs> I don't have a top. <laughs> you know, you're just pouring like five ounces into things. Yeah. Do you know what else I learned is like your standard shot glass is a two ounce shot. Oh. I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought I it was one ounce. Either. I guess the yeah, yeah. the thicker one. <laughs> like the not thicker. So, the wider. <laughs> Never mind. The wider one. Yeah. We call that thicker, baby. I, uh, <laughs> it is thick. I like a thick shot. Uh. Um, yeah, it's my mom. T- I'm like mixing drinks. She goes, just pour me one ounce. So I pour the vodka to the top of the shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she goes, I said one. And I was like, that is one. She goes, <laughs> oh, no, sweetheart. We've been lying to you. That's two ounces. <laughs> We've, you've been pouring two ounce drinks your entire life. I go, Aww. are you kidding me? So when I've asked for a double, you've been giving me four ounces. She's like, oh. Well, we need to pass it on to our niece. Our niece is the cutest. She's the and most she, adorable thing ever. Oh my god! So there's like little versions of so I don't know how healthy this is, but we love her, and she'll end up. <laughs> um, we gave her like so little solo cups, like the red cups, you know, because we've been yeah. having like socially distanced barbecues. Right. So we uh been we have the red cups, but you know she's like little. She's so cute. I love her so much. I know. Um, she, I thought it'd be nice to bring her like the little, the little baby solo cups. They're basically supposed to be shot glasses, but they're perfect for babies. But they're perfect. Well, she's they're so cute. A toddler. She, yeah, she can hold it. Yeah, but we were like, we we were like, hey, like, look, you're part of it. You're having fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, cheers. Um, 
cheers. We're cheersing with her so she could have the little baby versions of the solo cups and have water in there. Yeah. Or juice or whatever. But so uh, <laughs> our friend called us the other day and told us that she had all the little mini solo cups out. And then she was going, aunties? Aunties come over? Party? Party, Party with aunties? Aunties? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cute. Oh, my God. That could basically, we could literally have a t-shirt that just says, aunties, party? <laughs> Drake? I think it would be the best. Oh, yeah. we should do that. Yeah. Oh. That'd be amazing. Soon, soon my little special, loveliest person in the world. Yeah. We love her very much. We'll come and drink with you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That can't be good no. on our part. But... No. But we'll teach her that two ounce shot thing. Oh, when she's God. older. You know when she's older. You know. Yeah. My mother was work. like, yeah, she's like, we've been lying to you. I'm like, <laughs> She's like, well, it wasn't that. I think she just was like, oh, yeah, you've been drinking two ounce cocktails your whole life. And I was thinking, well, no wonder I go to a party and I'm like, I won't. <laughs> you know what? She was training you for. I guess. You don't want to be a like a little cheap drunk there. It's not safe. Yeah. She, <laughs> she was training me not to be able to go to work the next day. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So this. Uh. Yeah. This. <laughs> what a fun episode. I know. This one of those, been... It was always one of these ones that were like, oh, this is topic is going to be a little bit of a... Even yeah, when we, like... when this whole thing happened, I was like, oh, it's like real work that we have to like, we have like a deadline and we have to like do stuff at a certain amount of time. And then, but I was doing it and I'm like, what? This is fun. I know we like raced home and I was like <laughs> looking over stuff and uh, I do my best thinking in the tub sometimes. So mm-hmm. I just got into the tub and brought my phone as there I always go. do regardless. There you go. And was like coming up with all this stuff and I was like, oh, this is so dope. Like... <laughs> Oh, this all ties into the 88 Olympics. Oh, my God. Calgary, yes. bam. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I actually have interesting facts, kind of. Mm, okay. Moderately. Okay. Uh, with the B-52, um, it like you said, it was named after the band. <laughs> I think this is on Wikipedia or something. This is what happens when you let smart people talk about music. And they call the B-52s, uh, a, had a thrift store aesthetic. And a call and response style. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Well, it's kind of like... The call and response, I understand. I don't know what thrift store aesthetic means. Well, they were kind of... I don't know. They were kind of hacky. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. They had sort of a, like... It wasn't quite bubble... It was almost a play on bubble gum. Like, they were sort of like... Like a little punky. Yeah, they were they were almost I don't know I want to say like in ref like a '90s sort of um uh uh similar band would be the presidents of the United States of yes. America maybe <laughs> where like all was kind of like maybe supposed to be a joke or something yes. but it's yeah. like turned out really good all of it weren't they remember we watched the Flintstones that lo- not that long ago weren't they in the movie <laughs> I kind of were for they? some reason have like that associated with them i think I don't billy know corgan from the smashing pumpkins was in that movie i don't know why oh, really oh we need to watch it again obviously we didn't that could be total fakeness <laughs> but um but also the <laughs> b52 uh was also a name for that beehive hairstyle you know in the 60s and 70s like the women would wear because yeah. it looked kind of like the um the airplane with that cone-like appearance Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the B-52s, the band, are either named after, they think it's both, well, I read both the hairstyle and the uh, weapon of mass destruction, I guess. It's probably not what you're supposed to call it. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's a weapon of mass destruction. I'm just saying that. Um, some skiing facts. Okay. Uh, skiing was originally a form of transportation in Europe before becoming a sport, which we see we saw with our friend Meth Head <laughs> Finnish Land. Uh, and the oldest. Yeah, I guess. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I guess it would be because it's like like uh, cross country skiing. You would get there a lot faster. Oh yeah, yeah. Like even now, I wonder why we clear the roads and don't just ski down them. That was always a dream of mine as a child. <laughs> also to turn them into water, so then we could like use a like a boat. Uh, use a yeah, which is basically like because like, I didn't know what uh, at that point I didn't know about um, Venice floods. No, I didn't oh. know about Venice. <laughs> where the streets were actually water and it turns out it just smells like garbage um yeah that's not true i've been there and it sometimes it's only smells like garbage i've um, been to amsterdam and they do smell like garbage in amsterdam <laughs> uh the oldest ski was found in sweden dating back between 4500 to 2500 bc come on yeah there were skis before christ <laughs> as you see often on people's bumper stickers yeah it's actually the cross was made out of skis oh well, yeah that would make sense yeah. okay yeah 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 familiar <laughs> christian lore <laughs> back to the podcast yeah um podcast. the first recorded race though was in sweden in 1879 and then i didn't realize this it actually didn't de- debut um like just plain downhill skiing didn't debut till the olympics in Germany in 1936. I don't oh. know what they were doing in the Winter Olympics before that. Nothing I exciting. love the idea of somebody trying to pitch a sport to the Olympics. Like, you guys, this is really hard. Yeah. Like, every sport that goes, you know, this like makes you wonder how, like, skiing had a hard time getting in there. But I bet you, like, ribbon twirling was in there oh, first. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. They, well, they used to have poetry and uh, city planning. <laughs> really? Act, like, yeah. Yeah. When they first restarted it, like, in the 1900s. But this Olympics was the German Olympics that had Hitler in it. Oh, that's so right. That ties us back into the other aspect um, <laughs> of the Finnish being besties for a little while with old the Hitler. <laughs> Sorry, Finland. Sorry, We don't Finland. even know if you exist. That's apparently a conspiracy theory, so. What? <laughs> yeah. That Finland doesn't exist? Yeah. Whose theory is this? I don't know. The internet. I'm now afraid. You know, remember when conspiracy theories were fun? And we could be like. Yeah, remember when like half you just were like, oh, yeah, there's like no way that's real. And then like half the conspiracy theories come true. And you're like, oh, God damn it. And now you just have people being like, the election in America is rigged. And you're like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's a lie. That's not there's a difference there's a difference <laughs> but yeah All that's right. my uh, facts your facts of that's life skiing facts oh my god this was a fun one this is really fun um i think this is a good place to end it i think so why don't you um, tell my mom how to become a patreon <laughs> and anyone else that wants to join and think well i love your mother there. and i would never speak to her in that tone carla <laughs> I know, that's why you say it, because if I say it, she just gets annoyed with me. Uh, Brittany says it, she's like an angel. <laughs> well, we love you, and we would love if you became a Patreon. Um, and how you do it, wh- is that the question people yeah. are wondering? 
Well, I have an answer for you. Go to www.lifepairingspodcast.com in the right-hand corner. If you're on your phone, you'll see the three little uh, bars. Click on those. Go down to become a Patreon. If you're on the website on the laptop, go up to the right corner. There'll be a button that says Patreon. If you click on that button, it'll give you three different levels. You can um, get bonus features for just like or bonus episodes for five dollars. Little fun episodes. Uh, on top of that, we have Q and A's that we'd love to do if we get um, people uh, interested in that sort of things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, write us. Tell us if you want to become a Patreon. You just start ma- demanding things of us, yeah. and we'll probably do it. We'll make you coffee. We'll come over and make you a drink. <laughs> Am well, I? Um, <laughs> Well, you yeah. have to fly us to where we live, though. To, to the place where we need to go. Specifically, uh, like somewhere warm and coronavirus-free, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all post-corona, we'll just, like, literally come do whatever you want. <laughs> um, my sister, uh, the lo- who is a Patreon, yes. a patron, rather, um, uh, she came up with the suggestion that we call the patrons lifers. Yeah. Which lifers. is fun. Yeah. She's nothing but ideas. Ideas guy. That's what I call her. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. You, if you want to become a lifer, hit that Patreon <laughs> button. Don't be scared. Uh, we need it. And mm-hmm. we do this every week. We, we record a brand new episode every Thursday. We have special episodes for the special patrons on Tuesdays. Yes. And, yeah, baby, click on our Instagram. Like it. Share it. Hang a banner from your wall. And then take a picture of somewhere and then write it in the snow with your skis. Do math and then get on skis. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do math because then you won't have any money to be a a Patreon. No. And also probably not to be able to ski either. (laughs) Well, yeah. Skiing is expensive. You know what? Don't do drugs. I changed my mind. Yeah. Don't do math. Watch Breaking Bad Uh, if you have to figure out why. (laughs) You guys, we had so much fun uh, with you this week and we can't wait to... Uh, talk to you next week. We love ya. Thanks, guys. Bye.